Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're glad that you are joining us today once again. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast, live, ooh, uh, dedicated and guided for the most part by your questions on the Bible. That's right, you can send your questions in through our multiple online uh, platforms. And we have wonderful guests here, men of the Lord who will delve into the Bible to find the answers to those questions. Men who need so, the Lord. And who need the Lord. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? But these guys especially. <laughs> so that's what we're all about. Again, send your questions in. Uh, any honest question you have could be about a, a specific verse or passage of Scripture or the Bible or Christianity as a whole, uh, maybe even other worldviews, um, something maybe even going on in your life and you'd like a biblical perspective, any honest question you have, as long as you know that the Bible is the source of answers uh, for those questions on this show. That's what we're all about here for the next hour. So we're very glad that you are joining us and sending your questions in to help create that content today. My name is Dave Robson. I got recognized today. I was, <laughs> I was filling up my water bottles at a water station place and this guy said, are you on the radio? I recognize your voice. I said, yeah. And he said, is that, uh, and I said, reason for hope? He said, yeah. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, famous. I mean. That was, is cool. It's the big time. You know what I mean? So anyway, with us today <laughs> also is Pastor Peter Martin, author and counselor and pastor and wonderful man of the Lord. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. It's good to see you. Thanks. Me, me and you again. Yeah, we were absolutely. here just the two of us yesterday, but today we are joined also by Bo Willett, who's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, also an author, and you guys together um, are involved with, and of course, Bo, the founder of Running Light Ministries, which is based around sexuality and kind of a biblical view of <laughs> It is based around sexuality. It's based around. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I'm not going to rephrase that. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yes, but anyway, Barry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. And that's a wonderful jacket you're wearing today. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I walked in the studio and it was cold. So I thought, you know what? Sean has a blazer around here. Yep. I got to put this thing on. And I feel powerful. Yeah, you, right you look powerful. You're scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Feels good, Sean. Yeah, yeah, looking good. Well, it's, it's all uphill from here. Uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, Reason for Hope is uh, a live broadcaster with you Monday through Friday, uh, uh, 5 to 6 p.m. Man, I'm thrown off by the blazer. <laughs> it's the man bun and the blazer, that combination. Uh, we're with you Monday through Friday, uh, 5 to 6 p.m. here in Tucson, Arizona, Mountain Standard Time. But of course, wherever that is for you around the world, you can uh, join us through the, <coughs> the wonders of the internets. And you're very welcome as well. It's an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So if you're in the, the uh, Tucson, Arizona area, you're welcome to come check us out. We're near uh, Prince and I-10 on the, on the west side of the freeway in the just beautiful uh, business park that it is. And we've certainly made the most of it. So you're welcome to come check us out. And of, and of course, check out our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. We have lots of events going on, all kinds of things, support groups. And of course, services here currently Wednesday night, we're in the book of Ezekiel and Sunday in the book of uh, Acts. We're a Calvary Chapel church. And for the most part, you'll find they go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the word, which is just a wonderful way to teach the whole counsel of God. So anyway, that's what we're all about here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. You're welcome to join us. But for the purposes of tonight, you can go to that watch live tab. Anytime we're live, you'll find us there. When we're offline, you'll see a countdown to the next live show and you see a schedule of upcoming events but uh, as we're live right now you'll see the video you can sign in with the username and be part of the broadcast through the chat function i will be um, 
uh, watching you there on the chat function and um, engaging with you. So if you have questions, you can send them right there, and I will be receiving those. ccftucson.online.church is the direct link, or just follow the link from our Calvary Christian Fellowship. Dot com uh, website as well. We're on Facebook, of course, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, or facebook.com slash ccftucson. Uh, you can watch us live there too, and you can send your questions in on the chat function. Don't forget to like and share. We'd love to uh, further our reach. So if you've been blessed by this ministry, share. If you haven't, share anyway. You might find someone that is blessed by it. So just share. Yeah, good theory. Uh, we have an app as well for your mobile device. If you go to your your, uh, your app store, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson again. You'll see that red background with the white dove, uh, the white Calvary Chapel dove logo. That's our app. You can watch us on your mobile device and uh, other things as well. You can interact with us on your um, app there. And we have a channel on Roku and also on Apple TV. So add us in your channel store. You'll be able to watch us on your big screen as well. And we're on YouTube. A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel. A Reason for Hope there on YouTube. Uh, there's a great live tab if you click on the live tab on our page anytime we've been live it will archive there so you'll be able to catch up on past shows or recap and even our services here at uh, CCF so YouTube is a great resource there for you don't forget to like and subscribe and click on the notification bell uh, while you're there we'd appreciate that as well our senior pastor here Scott Richards he's not with us today but uh, he should be Lord willing with us tomorrow and Thursday and Friday usually uh, but he's on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, Scott R4H is his handle. That's Scott, letter R, number four, letter H. You can follow along with him. He posts all kinds of interesting stuff. Some tomfoolery, as he says, but also just commentary on news events and world events um, as it pertains to uh, scripture and end times and prophecy and that kind of thing. It's very uh, informative to I follow I love along. his introduction, too, on his Twitter. That's awesome. It says, Scott Richards, Calvary Christian Fellowship, husband, dad, author, ghostwriter, host of A Reason for Hope, literally stoned in Jerusalem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazed, Amazed by, by grace. grace. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he got uh, hit with a stone in the head while he was in, in Jerusalem on a, on a trip. After he got high. No, oh, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Peter, no. No, although I think he was pretty dizzy after getting hit with a, with a stone. So he's still with us, though. He survived. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, uh, we're, on <laughs> we're on Rumble as well, Reason for Hope, Bible Q&A. Uh, we just passed, uh, post our archive there and some other videos. So if you're on Rumble, look for us there, A Reason for Hope, Bible Q&A. On Rumble, I haven't got on Rumble myself yet. I've, I've no idea what it's about, but I've heard it's just yeah. wonderful. And for old, old people like me who like radio, <laughs> you know, uh, you know I, love, I love listening to A Reason for Hope on SoundCloud. And, um, oh, nice. Yeah, um, that's that's a uh, an audio hosting um, site, uh, SoundCloud, and there's tons of music. And SoundCloud is like that kind of place yeah. where people that are creative want to do things. Um, but uh, yeah, you can also, if someone's on SoundCloud, just want to listen to it. Find us there as well. Yep. Or awesome. iTunes. You know, you go to iTunes and you just type in a reason for hope on, in your iTunes uh, podcast yep. store. Yeah, and and it'll come up, and you can listen to it and. The great thing is that the feeds automatically update. You yeah. Know, Someone mentioned they'd stop to uploading. Did anyone look at that? We, we have a little meeting here. Oh, but yeah. Someone <laughs> said, yeah, we still uploading to Arian Apple, Van so. Bachter is on that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we know who to speak to then about that. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's more platforms that I guess we, we even mentioned on this intro. That's thing, right. So. A million. And uh, of course, we have an email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questions for hope spelled out with letters at gmail.com. You can email us there, of course, anytime. 
Um, if you're listening to us on the radio, as Bo mentioned, we're on the radio, but you're listening to the last show we did pre-recorded. We're not live with you per se, um, but you can use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. We do get to those questions as well, and then consider joining us on one of those live platforms when you're not on your drive time, but do drive carefully if you are. We're glad you're joining us. Yep, yeah. and you can always listen to Peter and I on our podcast, which is called the Better Pleasure Podcast on Running Light. Um, uh, podcasts on iTunes, so you can go to iTunes and just look for Better Pleasure or Running Light Ministries. Just okay. type in Running Light Ministries, and you'll find us uh, there. And you could also go to our website, which is runninglight.org, and uh, check us out too. If they're interested in the Bible and uh, sexuality, sensuality, and sexual topics, yeah, yeah, we definitely delve where. No, no minister <laughs> has chosen. Where angels fear to tread. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, and it's great you guys are doing. I'm kind of used to it now being here, you know, on staff. Yeah. Kind of used to that's part of the conversation, but a lot of people don't want to touch that, want to talk about it. So yeah, yeah. So it is a great ministry, and especially um, if you're someone struggling in an area of sexual sin, you have. Uh, yeah. support groups and counseling all that kind of stuff yep and so. we love talking about everything yeah especially current events uh uh you know whether whether w whether it has to do with gender issues that are very big today um we love to talk to parents too um because mm. we find that a lot of parents are kind of thrown off by a lot of the current culture yes um and so yeah me and peter i think have talked just about it all i don't think there's anything that we really haven't touched yeah. uh and uh so we've done over 150 podcasts yeah. on different subjects um relating to this topic yeah. so today we're going to actually talk uh, a little bit about um we're going to get everybody's questions so man start getting your questions in we'd love to hear from you and we also wanted to kind of do a, fo a for, uh, follow up with uh, Blaise Pascal, who yeah. was the 16, uh, wrote in the 1600s, was an inventor and a scientist, a mathematician. And also uh, later on, after he died, his literature became very popular. Mm. And he had a wonderful way of doing apologetics. And uh, I find it absolutely fascinating. And I know Peter has been just really enjoying his time of reading uh, Blaze as well. Yeah. Well, let's let's pray before we yeah go any further. Sure. Hold like on, say, Bo. Pray. Yeah, we'll yeah. pray. <laughs> Don't want to do this, you know without the Lord. No. Yeah. Um, we have questions coming in already, which is great. Yeah. But yeah, let's yeah. pray. And we, I know you guys yep. want to chat about that. And yeah, should I pray today? Yes. Again? Yes. We had such a good show yesterday. <laughs> I think it was because I prayed. That's right. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to pray. No, I have to pray. Yeah. Got to make no. it good, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, Lord, thank you for this uh, this time. What, what an opportunity and um, uh, just to have this technology. Lord, amazing to think we can go out around uh, the world. Um, and I just pray that you would use that to... <clears throat> your word your lord your word and your truth would fall on the right ears lord that that you would meet uh, all of us where we're at <clears throat> in you lord thank you for peter and Bo. just fill them with uh, your spirit afresh mm. right now just give them great wisdom yes. thank you for the just the joy we have and silliness lord um we have joy in you lord and um we're thankful to you uh, but also help us to to navigate your word well mm. lord we're just we're, we're aware that we're handling your truth we want to speak of you accurately lord um in a way that reflects uh, you accurately but we know you have we have your grace as well lord and that you are going to shepherd us as well so 
we just dedicate this time to you. Lord, we love you. We, th we thank you for this. Thank you for being here and speaking. And uh, we just ask all this in your name, Jesus. Say amen. 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 And before we get into uh, Pascal and uh, him answering questions, because really what we wanted to do was ask some questions and then kind of give it over to Blaise Pascal. And how would Pascal answer it? Because I think he has some really cool insight into things that are very common questions that people have. But before we do that, before we get into it, if someone's already chiming in and they got a question, I mean, we could just go right into it and and uh, start answering questions. Yeah, you'd like to do that? Sure, yeah, because yeah. when we get going, we just don't stop. That's so. true, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, it's up, to, it's up to you guys. We do have some questions coming in. Um, we had a question from David coming through our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Uh, David asks, when God created uh, the water animals, birds, and land, and land animals, he created them with gender right away, as far as I'm understanding Genesis 1. But with man, God waited to create the female counterpart until after a certain amount of time. Is there any significance in God waiting to create the female for man, but not for the animals? I'm just wondering why he would not have created man similar, similarly, <laughs> the same as, uh, to how he created the animals, unless... Uh, that points to a more interesting discussion on the differences between man and animal. So why did God create man and then woman? Why did he do that way and differently for the animals? No, a very fantastic question. Yeah. So uh, what that would insinuate, so there's a couple ways to read it. And everything that we see within the Bible that uses symbolic language, um, which the book of Genesis is, is really saturated in it, um, and we've talked about this before on the show. Some people go too far with symbolic language, and they say because it's symbolics and rep symbolic and representative, therefore it's not necessarily historical. And what we emphasize here at our church is that it is both. It is representative, symbolic, deeply impactful and meaningful, but it also really happened, right? And that's why it's so good, and that's why we need to understand it. So God's decision to do this, it's kind of like if you were to look at someone's painting, uh, everything that they put in is deeply intentional, right? There's nothing that's just there by happenstance or just, well, you know, I kind of felt like putting a bird there. Well, no, no, there, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for everything they do. God's creation of the universe in the book of Genesis is deeply symbolic, metaphoric, and it ha it's drenched with meaning. Uh, and there are many different ways to look at it. And I think a lot of them are true, meaning that there are different ways to look at each action contained within Genesis 1 and to read it in different ways, and for both those interpretations or multiple interpretations to all be equally valid, mm. as long as we measure them against the total, the totality of Scripture. So when we see Adam being formed, and then Eve being formed out of Adam, uh, and you are correct that when God is forming the animals, he doesn't do that, right? So it's not like he forms a zebra, and then he forms a female zebra out of the male zebra. He just forms yeah. them together in pairs, right. and they have the sexual dichotomy that allows them to procreate. Man, he forms as individual Adam first, and then he creates Eve out of Adam. Now, the, the primary way that people have understood this through the years, both Jews and Christians, as to why God allows that waiting period, is to insinuate to us that our sexual dichotomy, our gender, and our ability to procreate is actually secondary to our ability to have sex. So I'm going to say that again. So our ability to procreate and our sexual dichotomy is secondary to God's sexual creation of mankind. If you were to create us just immediately dichotomous, right, male and female, just like the animal kingdom, we can infer from that that sex is merely to procreate and therefore it just has utility to it. Because God pauses and then gives that differentiation between Adam and Eve, 
we can infer from that, oh, this isn't just for procreation. This isn't just utility. There's something deeper here. There's something more metaphoric here. There's something more symbolic here. Mm. And there are many passages in the Bible where different authors try to dive into why God does this, right? What is sex for if it's not just for procreation? Uh, and you and I talk about this all the time, the yep. various passages that get into this. Like, well, what are some that we talk about and what are their meanings? Well, I mean, we get into, of course, uh, the big one, I think, is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, 6 and 7. 6 and 7, yeah. Yeah, where we really delve into that. Uh, do you not th- know that the Lord has made him one? And, and it also says that he is one with us. Yeah. Um, and so there's something in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament that Paul, the rabbi, seems to really understand about this section that you're referring to in Genesis, Genesis chapter um, 2, the mm-hmm. latter section of chapter 2, that there's a interesting purpose in the sexuality uh, or the sex between man and female. Um, If you read Genesis chapter 1, just if you read it straight forward and there was no Genesis chapter 2, you would read this, right? After God makes the beast and the cattle of every kind, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds and, you know, every creeping thing. And it says, So God created man in his own image. He created him, male and female. He created them. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 1, you get this really quick kind of um, narrative of the creation of man and woman. And you don't, you don't get any detail uh, in there. Um, now, if it just went from that to, you know, chapter 3, then, you know, there probably wouldn't even have been a question, you know, of that. But there's not, right? There's this uh, uh, unveiling of this man and woman. He creates them, Mm -hmm. and they're both made in the image of God. And you get this, you get this, for this reason, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife. Well, for what reason? For what reason? Well, God created them male and female, he created them in his image. Because they're created in God's image, God says, therefore, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because now you see this unraveling of male and female and this time gap, if you will, between male, this fellowship that God has with mankind, or man, and then there's this time elapsed where and there's this incredible dialogue with God about a woman Mm. and and it's something that I would imagine that Adam appreciated in in with you know he didn't just wake up you know if you just had Genesis 1 he would have just woke up and there would have been a but but God's trying to teach theology yeah. He's saying, therefore, he's saying to Adam, yeah. therefore, you know, you shall leave your mom and dad, a man shall leave, and be joined to his wife. See, yeah. now Adam gets it. Yeah. He goes, oh, I see what's going on. I'm not just to be independent of woman. 
you know, there's I'm that there is an image bearing of the creator that's in my intimacy with woman. And, and so to me, the time gaps needed yeah. in a sense for God to teach Adam what it means, mm-hmm. um, what the theology is yeah. all about. The bigger picture. The bigger picture like, on, yeah. on the image bearing right. yeah. that, because uh, we see that they were created to bear the image of God, yeah. but if they just woke up together, they'd be like, "Well, okay, I guess we're." <laughs> That's <you> cool. Know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But now Adam's getting taught, right? And I find that mm. very cool. Maybe even in his leadership, right? You know, role. Yeah. So you know, C.S. Lewis points this out that um, because man is made in the image of God, it doesn't mean that the rest of creation doesn't bear a component of God's image, right? He says, you know, space is vast, just like God is vast. Stars are powerful just as God is powerful. The earth has life just like God is living, right? He goes through the created order. What he says is that man is kind of the pinnacle of that. In the created, in the physical, material created order, man is the absolute pinnacle of the image of God. We bear it most perfectly. Uh, We are the visible image of the invisible God to the material world. And so, therefore, if man falls, all of creation falls with us. And if man is redeemed, all of creation is redeemed with us. That's what it means to be the perfect or preeminent image bearers of God within this material universe. And this is why Romans 8 talks about the whole earth groaning, uh, waiting for the redemptions of us. That's right, absolutely. So when God creates sexual dichotomy between man and woman, even though we have the same utility as the animal kingdom, by God pausing, by him having that little breath there, what he's showing is that there's a bigger picture at play, there's a theology at play that when we're looking at sex, we're not just seeing something for the purpose of procreation, but we're seeing something that has the purpose of expressing God's image more fully. And what we believe about God, which is very unique to Judeo-Christian values, and I would say unique to Christianity, because Jews actually deny this, is that God is triune in his nature. So he's not just one, in essence, person in nature. He is actually three in persons and in uh, nature, and one in essence. That's really complicated for us to understand. Uh, This also means that God's intent for all of creation is not for, you know, in in music you you use the example of melody versus harmony, right? So God isn't trying to create simple melody. He's trying to create harmony in which you take two different lines of music and then you harmonize them together. You bring them together. Yep, create unity. Exactly. So if God was just into simple melody and just simple unity, he would not have created at all. Because God already had melody within himself. He already had that kind of one string of music that was perfect. But to create something different than himself and then harmonize it with himself is the picture of creation. And and, and that's how we know Christianity is true. One of the reasons we know, because we look at us and we look at our... uh, the way that we work with the other sex. Hmm. And we go, God must be a complex unity because he creates complex unity. That's right. God can't, God wouldn't create something and bear his image if he didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) If it doesn't bear his image. If it doesn't bear his image. It's got, you know, so God is some kind of complex unity. And if you take music, a chord isn't one note. Right. A chord isn't two notes. Right. A chord is made up and distinguished by three notes. Mm. And just as God, it's one chord right. in music. You can't say, oh, you're playing, you're playing three notes, but it's one chord. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just that chord mm. is made, it's a unity mm. of three. Yeah. 
And, um, and that's what God is, is in his revelation. He is the cord, right? you know, and he creates a uh, image bearing volitional, uh, what do they call it? Uh, just humans, yeah. you know, that, that bear that image of God, mm-hmm. that interesting cord right. that is God. Mm-hmm. And that's the unique thing about Christianity is if you study other religions, the goal is to kind of meld into the one mind. You know, right. if you're in like Eastern mysticism, you become uh, enlightened and you reach nirvana by emptying yourself of your ego and your individuality and becoming one with the great mind or whatever. Uh, in Christianity, it's no, you become unified. You harmonize yourself with a being who's distinctive from you, namely God because that's what God does within his own being. He harmonizes his different persons within his one being. And then God creates uh, for man an ability that we could do this within ourselves. So he creates man, that's one line of music, and then he creates woman, that's another line of music. And then he gives us the ability to harmonize ourselves into one another. Yeah, and you know what's another interesting thing about this passage that, that really goes with this question is that God pauses to, and, and Adam learns a lesson in this too, mm-hmm. and that is the lesson is there is no helper that is comparable, comparable. Yeah. Um, which is a really interesting lesson. Mm-hmm. See, Adam could easily woke up and went like, oh, you know what? Like, I can go have sex with that animal, right. or I could go, I see them having sex, I could go have sex with this, I can go have sex with that, sex with that. But no, there's something he's learning here that there's nothing comparable to him. Right. And it says God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep and and then he wakes up and he sees the woman there. Right. And see all this lessons going on of like and really you get this idea and it's threaded throughout the word, right? right. Throughout the, the the law of God anyway, and that is you not to have sex with an animal. Right. You know? Right. It's like and that's something Adam learned way back in the <laughs> early days of Genesis. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, yeah. He learned by by God, like, hey, bro, none of them are compa- uh, c- comparable. So again, the, you, you know, can't see, harmonize just any line of music. Right. Like, they have to be comparable to one another before you can harmonize them. Yeah, they have to be in tune. They have yeah. to be in tune. And so what God's <laughs> yeah. saying is yeah. only in only the female in the key. is giving <laughs> off this resonance that you can harmonize with. Yeah. And that's why some people put it like, my other half. Have you ever heard that statement, my other half? They're referring back to Genesis, where Adam starts as a whole, and then God separates something out of him, and then joins it back to him, right? So you have something coming out of Adam, almost breaking him apart, mm-hmm. and then rejoining that component to him in a different or unique way, right? So that that brokenness and then recapitulation, and that's such a perfect picture of what happened in creation, right? Yes. Created perfect, broken, reunified, reharmonized through Christ. We have peace with God through him, right? Yeah. Romans chapter five. And, so. th- and there is that passage that says, and that Paul picks up on it, that light has shined out out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's like alluding to the Genesis narrative, Yeah, you know, that our light has shined out of darkness with us, Yeah, you know, Jesus. And that makes marriage so beautiful and wonderful and beyond our comprehension that it's like, we're acting out the whole story, the whole narrative of creation when we come together as husband and wife, right? So. It's I'm finding my other half. I'm finding harmony within my disunity. I'm I'm reunifying myself from something that I was abandoned to, uh, right? All this type of image is reflective of God and what He's doing to creation as a whole, and it makes it 
immensely beautiful and gratifying. And what Paul warns about in the passage that you mentioned, 1 Corinthians 6, where he's really meditating on Genesis 2, is he mentioned, and he quotes it directly, is he's saying the, the, the monstrosity of what man is doing by unifying ourselves with just whoever we want, right? Well, there's a prostitute. Let me unify myself with her, you know? Right. And I'll find that harmony there. Paul's like, no, that, that's monstrous because you're not actually creating the picture of God. You're defaming it. You're deforming the picture of God and showing not a genuine harmony in body and soul, but you're showing one form of harmony, which is body, divorced from another higher form of harmony, which is soul, mind, and heart, right? So uh, to do that is, in Paul's idea, it's defaming the image of God. That's right. And it's, and, it's and moving that, you away from And that's him. what the Bible's most uh, focused on, is, is restoring a lost image. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, what was the gentleman's name that asked the question? Uh, David. David. It's such a good question, too, good in that chapter two. Um, if you don't see the importance of the theology that Adam is getting hmm. and learning in chapter two, um, which is not present in chapter one, but it's present in chapter two, mm. um, you have to think of this is like, how important is the theology that we're talking about right now mm. uh, in human beings? Mm. With, and what would a world look like if we were to take the theology of what is being referred to yeah. here in chapter two and we just throw it away mm. and we just toss out all the theology there, mm -hmm. then what what does our sexual behavior look like mm -hmm. at that point? Whatever we want it to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's where we're at. Yeah. And you that's know? what you see in the animal kingdom. That's what you see in the animal kingdom. You look in the animal kingdom, it's just whatever it takes to procreate, man. That's right. And, 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 and no one argues right. with the lion and how the lion mounts the lioness. Right. Or, you know, no one goes, whoa, bro, Toxic that's a little rough, no. man. <laughs> like, Date rape. Patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. The patriarchy. You should try, though. I mean, try and intervene. <laughs> you know, no, no Excuse one, me, Mr. Lion. No one has these arguments. Did you ask for her <laughs> yeah. before you? Sorry like, to interrupt. I've never seen activists going to the zoo and right. saying, you know, down with the patriarchy <laughs> you know, to that's the true. elephant kingdom. Or the black <laughs> widow who know. devours her mate. Uh, Patriarchy, right. toxic <laughs> femininity, you know? That's right. But because you have chapter two, yeah. you have all this theology uh, on God creating mm. someone comparable to Adam and the reasoning behind that. And, and if we follow that, um, then, you know, there is an amazing, wonderful image bearing picture yeah. and an action that we realize as human beings that you know what? God is a part of this creation. Hmm. I'm not to misuse it. I'm not to abuse it. Um, and so we start thinking, in a sense, humbly yeah. about our sex yeah. instead of being narcissistic. And we, you know, you and I talk about this in our podcast where in the transgender, the LGBTQ ideology, you see a deformity of this as well. So instead of me as a male trying to harmonize myself with the feminine, I might seek another masculine in a homosexual relationship, or I might try to become that in myself. And instead of harmonizing myself with the feminine in another person, I might seek the feminine in my own nature and deny my masculinity, uh, or try to incorporate both within my same being. Uh, and this is what we see you and I talk about in ancient art, as well as today, people are replicating this kind of perfected 
hermaphrodite kind of complex where you have both genders contained in one entity and looked up to and seen as kind of the ideal yeah. as opposed to God's ideal, which is, no, 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 two persons in their complexity and their differences unified together, masculinity and femininity. University. Right, exactly. University. Unity and diversity together. <laughs> I learned and, that from you. And, <laughs> and, that's, and that's God's ideal, right, because that's what the son does. The son doesn't subordinate the father to his will, and the father doesn't subordinate the son to his will. They harmonize together and they make one unified being. So that's kind of what we're trying to do, right? And, and so again, when someone does it right, when someone is married in the correct way, having sexual intimacy in the right ways at the right times, then they are uh, revealing this picture in a way that nothing else really could. Mm, awesome. Yeah. I feel like I really want to emphasize what you're saying about the fact that we were made to reflect and bring glory to another you know to god of course which is seems like a simple concept maybe for those who have walked with the lord for a long time or maybe not you yeah. know but um yeah. when we first come to the lord it's often about receiving something you receive salvation you know yeah. which is a wonderful offer to go from death to life yeah. <laughs> you know and god okay. gives it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a big thing no, but yeah. all what you're saying not only in 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 marriage but when we stop in every situation, our, our marriages, how we treat our enemies, how we parent, when we stop and, and look for that bigger picture of how do we ref reflect God in that, and that can change, that changes everything. Mm. You know, like I want to leave my wife because she did da da da. da. Well, wait, but God, yeah. but God, you know, but yeah. God, you know, I'm I'm gonna abandon my kids because but, but God, yeah. you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do what my church leadership is saying, but God, yeah. you know, and, and that's a huge, a huge but. <laughs> to uh, yeah. to have in our lives, you know, yeah, that the, the covers everything, every aspect of our life. Yeah, know? two passage I can leave uh, the audience with, and that is First uh, Corinthians six twenty says, "For you were bought with a price; therefore, glorify God in mm. your body, mm. and in your spirit, which are God's." Right. Okay. Yeah. And then the other one is Colossians three that says, verse ten, "But you put on the new human, the new man." It says who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created mm. him. So you see the restoration of the correct image bearing. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, amen. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, David, thank you. Great, yeah, great question. Yeah, awesome sparked question. A, <laughs> sparked a great really discussion. Really insightful yeah. question. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, you're paying attention for sure. A uh, question from Thea. Uh, Be doers of the word, not hearers only. What does that mean? How do I apply the Bible in my life practically? That's a great and huge question. Yeah. <laughs> huge question. Yeah. yeah. How do we be um, not only hearers, but doers of the word? Yeah, no, 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 very good question. So the passage you're referencing is in James chapter one. And James is arguing against kind of a cult that had developed in the early church called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism taught that there was a fundamental distinction or disunity between the body and the soul. And so Gnostics took this in different ways, but the one that he's the one branch of this that he's criticizing there is this idea that since my body and my soul, my body being my material self, my soul being my rational self, since they're disunified, then it doesn't really matter what I do in my body. Mm. It only matters what I do with my rationality. So if I understand God and I give my obeisance to him intellectually, it doesn't matter what I do in my body. And he really goes home at this in James 2, where he says, you say that you have faith and I have works. You show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith 
by my works, right? So he's yeah. saying that there's that just doesn't, uh, pardon the pun, that doesn't work, right? You, mm. you can't have this idea that I mentally believe in God, but I'm not going to act it out in any particular way in my body. Uh, and he, in James 1, he even gives utility to this. He says, if you don't practice something, it actually can't become more rational. So someone would go to James and they would say, well, James, if you know something, you must know something fully before you practice it. And James would pause them and he would say, no, 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 you, you can't fully know something until you try to practice it, mm. right? Any, any discipline within your life, let's say you're trying to learn music or you're trying to learn poetry, or you're trying to learn writing or uh, exercise or weightlifting, you can spend all day of your life just in intellectual dialogue of like, what does it look like? And let me learn this theory and that theory. Until you pick up a guitar, mm -hmm. until you step foot in the gym, none of that knowledge is going to be applicable to you and therefore it's going to fade right it's going to go away i remember in high school I, I learned i took like four years of spanish in high school i took two years in college i know very little i could have like a basic conversation with like a five-year-old probably <laughs> and he would probably be leaving me in the dust which is more than you can do in english yeah that's so right it's, yeah. it's because i haven't practiced it right <laughs> i haven't practiced spanish and so i've lost most of it yeah what james is saying in james one is like let us be doers and not merely hearers because the one who is a hearer and not a doer is like a man who observes his natural face in the mirror and then forgets about it when he leaves. He's yeah. saying like, you're gonna actually lose all the intellect. It, not only does it not work practically, but it doesn't even work in your own worldview, right? It doesn't, it doesn't even sustain itself if all it is about a mental exercise of just knowing God. So that's all kind of the, the background. Now to get into kind of the meat of your question of how do you do that? Well, you got to realize that the Bible is not just a compilation of theological statements, right? The Bible, the vast bulk of the Bible, by the way, is narrative. Now, why is it narrative? Why do we have story after story after story that people get bored of? Why is there so much history in the Bible? It's because you see the theology of the Bible put into practice in these stories, sometimes in good and positive ways and sometimes in really negative ways. And we're supposed to be learning from it and adjusting our souls, our minds, our bodies in intentionality towards the worship of God, right? So I'm not just reading the Bible and saying, ooh, you know, God is triune in nature. How interesting. So instead, I'm thinking like what me and Bo are talking about of, oh, God is triune in nature. What does that mean mm -hmm. for the way I approach women in my life? What yeah. does that mean for how I conceptualize my sex life? Right. Or, oh, you know, God is eternal and all knowing. Right. I, I can understand that intellectually. Or I could say, OK, God is eternal and all knowing. What does that mean about a the span of my life? Right. Psalm chapter 90. Let us be conscious of the fact that our days are numbered uh, and he's all knowing. What does that mean about my conception of knowledge? Uh, Proverbs chapter three, where he says, uh, do, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Right. If God is all knowing, I shouldn't be proud and arrogant and puffed up in my own knowledge, but I should be humble in the way I approach God and information around me. So all the theological points I could I could look at in the Bible have practical applications. Mm. And if your faith isn't moving you in that direction, if you're not saying, OK, this is cool, but what does it mean? How do I apply that? Then your Christianity is remaining on that kind of surface level of superficiality and it's not sinking down it's not becoming practical and therefore it's kind of meaningless and that is the work of the christian life it's not that we're going to fully understand it but whatever means we have we seek to put into practice and then that benefits us more and gives us more information and all of it precipitates in relation to god and loving him um, but yeah. how would you how would you word that to somebody you know i would look at james's example james the half brother of jesus of course is jewish knows the old testament very well and uses rahab and abraham as a great example of people that worked 
Yeah. Um, uh, they were faithful people, and that faith looked uh, as uh, kindness and uh, moving forward, if you will, in the, if you will, the kingdom of God, you know. Um, and it's funny, Rahab, we don't get much of her narrative, but we get the idea that she was friendly. She lied. She, was, she lied to uh, people in her narrative. Um, um, and people, you know, people kind of go, oh, you know, but, but God yeah. in his grace had yeah. mercy on her yeah. Yeah. and her heart was one to, um, um, be a part of the worship of Yahweh. And, uh, she knew Yahweh was the true and living God. I think that's so and, cool uh, what you mentioned yeah. is that even though she imperfectly <laughs> acted out what she believed, yep. she still acted on her faith and James praises her for that. That's right. He's like, she acted on what she knew, and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, and, and he James says Rahab the harlot. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. He doesn't say James. You know, he, he doesn't say, or he doesn't say Rahab the... the Person who saved the slaves, <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, not the slaves, the spies. The spies, yeah, yeah he doesn't. He, he actually calls her out yeah. in a sense. You know, he wants people to know who he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he says, Rahab, you know, the harlot. And, you know, she wasn't a perfect girl. And, um, you know, none of us are perfect, but our, our works, if you're looking for, hey, am I really working, you know, well, what kingdom do you want to build up in, in life? Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, Jesus loves his church. He loves his people. Mm-hmm. You know, a good, a good barometer is just to see, hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to help out people that love God? Yeah. You know, and, and do you want to come and assist them or help them out and um, um, I think about the, the main passage in James pure and undefiled religion is, is this, this right right to assist widows and orphans that's right and you know he talks about helping people with clothes you know just you know just acts of kindness you know is is you know if you have a good understanding of the love of Christ it is gonna move you mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, having a, a love for people mm-hmm. And um, so this is the difficulty Jesus ran into with the religious people, right, of his day, is that they were very religious and they knew so much yeah, about the Bible, very yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah, but they just didn't have one really ounce of love, yeah. Yeah. of just really care, you know, for people. And, um, and that's, that's really, uh, you know, probably James's writing. I'm sure he sees a bunch of that in his day as well. Yeah, in fact, uh, one of the passages that Jesus quotes, it's only contained in Matthew's Gospels, which I really like. So in all the, uh, in all the uh, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record the conversion of Matthew. But Matthew adds like a little bit of extra uh, info in there, which I think is cool because it's his bite. conversion. Yeah. And when Jesus calls Matthew as a tax collector, right, a hated member of that community, the Pharisees are criticizing about it. They're like, man, who is this guy? He says he's so righteous, and yet he calls such a wicked sinner. And Jesus, like, just turns, and he's like, have you not read, which is great. You know, Jesus is about to lower the boom when he says that. Have you not read Hosea chapter 6? And he quotes Hosea 6, where he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the word mercy there could actually be translated loving kindness. Right. Right? So he's saying that, hey, you guys got your sacrifice. You got your rituals down. That's great. But you don't even have mercy. Right? You don't even have just compassion for this lost guy who's seeking answers, who's seeking truth, who's seeking uh, acceptance in God. You know, you can't even reach out to him. You're just so embittered and prejudiced against his, 
his background that you're not even willing to hear him out or try to help him. Um, and that, that's pretty radical. So yeah, religiosity. Um, and I, I think you're bringing out a good point here that just because I have works doesn't mean my faith is right, right? So uh, we could take it the other way too. So one way we could take it is, uh, well, faith is all that matters, so I don't have to do any works. But then the other way to take it is, well, works are all that matter, so faith, like what I believe doesn't really matter, right? What is going on in my heart doesn't matter, and my compassion doesn't matter. And Jesus cuts right through, and he says, no, no, it's both. It's uh, faith working through love, as Paul says in his gospel, right? So I'm, I'm having a good understanding of God and theology, and how is that manifesting in love? And, that, and I love what Paul says there in Galatians. This is what matters, that's how he starts that sentence. Yeah. This is this is what matters, faith working itself out in love. Yeah. It's like amazing, yeah. you know? Cuts right through all the circumcision of his day yeah. and the yeah. the the religious pharmaceutical power structure and yeah. what the rituals were to be done and mm. and and how uh, reputations got made in the religion order, the pecking order if you will, mm. the piety of it all. And he says, this is what matters is faith working itself out in love, yeah. you know? Yeah. And this is why First John says, if you say you love God, mm. but yet what? Hate your brother. Hate your brother. Yeah. He has some really hard words, right? The truth is not and in you, you. Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so it's like, um, you know, you know we, uh, we, have to, we have to look at who we're worshiping. Mm. And, uh, you know, Tozer, A.W. Tozer, the uh, great author of the last hundred years, probably, um, on God says, hey, the most important thing uh, is this, is what comes into your mind when you think about God? Mm. It is of most utter importance. Mm. And he's right. Mm. You know, so when God comes to mind, you know, whatever, whatever's coming into my mind when I think about the deity, that's of utter importance. Yeah. Mm right? And that's why the commandments are there. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make idols. Because it was pretty, it's pretty serious to Yahweh, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and you could also word it, the, I mean, you usually ask men when we're uh, doing classes, you yeah. ask them, what do you think about when you think about sex? Yeah. I you know, and, and the idea is like, do you think about God or what, what do you think that about? That was to be a secret. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just and, the, and the idea there is, is again, that practicality alert. is if you don't think about God, his theology, his economy, his divinity, if that's not what you're thinking about when you're thinking about your sexuality, then what are you thinking about? Right. Your gratification, your selfishness, what you want, mm. right, or what you can gain from it. And the same could be true for everything else. So if you want to make your Christian life practical, the question, you could apply that question to everything. Yeah. What do you think about when you think about your finances? Do you yeah. think about God? What do you think about when you think about your career? Do you think about God? Anything in which your mind doesn't move towards the creator and redeemer of your soul is in an essence not given over to him yet yeah and you think about it this way if jesus is the perfect human mm -hmm. and we are to emulate our master and our lord then what was his if you will uh mind mm -hmm. you know like yeah you know where was his mind yeah. all the time and it's funny sometimes we get in these weird moments where we go man it's just so tiring Bo, thinking about god all the time it's so tiring no i get that and when I fall and stumble, it's because I'm not. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's because my mind gets off of the creator. 
and his purposes for things. And I get in the flesh when it comes to money or greed, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, lustful inclinations too. I mean, your mind gets off of God. Mm. And Jesus was the one who is perfect, we're told. And uh, he lived a perfect life. That's what's beautiful about reading the gospels Mm. is his mind's always focused on the father. Mm. And guess, guess what? He says, for us to do this for two reasons, John 14 and John 16. He says to do it so that you, your Father may be glorified, mm. so that we glorify God. And the second reason is that our joy may be full. Yeah. Mm. So he, he tells us to have the mind of focusing on God because he knows it's for the glory of God and our joy. Right. Both have the same purpose in mind, mm. you know? Meaning when I'm most joyful in God, he's most glorified right in me you know and isn't that cool yeah so it's kind of neat yeah great well great question yeah another great question yeah i guess it's some deep questions well yeah i know (laughs) really really getting into these things but but that's great guys thank you um guess it comes down to love i was thinking of first corinthians as well first corinthians 13 that says you could give your you know give all your things to the poor you could give your body to be burned literally martyr yourself but if you don't have love yeah nothing and I that's was, i was actually thinking about the beatles all you need is love yeah. <laughs> that too and you know what, and you know what's, that in, too. You know what's interesting about this is kind of a bible show no. yeah <laughs> but you know what's interesting about 13 uh oh i started again sorry I started. no no but uh, on this topic of <laughs> yeah. of faith without works is dead yeah it's such a good passage to really ponder well right the first corinthians 13 yeah, yeah because you know you you would think that if you gave your body to be burned yeah yeah you're giving your body literally to be burned for yeah. some reason, right? Right? You would think it's a loving reason, yeah. yeah. But, but Paul seems to indicate, or the Holy Spirit through Paul yeah. indicates that no, that we're so fallen. Yeah. This is crazy to yeah. think about. That we're so narcissistic yeah. that there is even a narcissistic bent <laughs> towards right. our to laying down towards of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you think about that and we would go like, wait, 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 wait. And then we go, wait, hold on. Have we seen martyrdom in our time, mm. in our day? Have yeah. we seen yeah. people kill themselves in the name of a deity? Yeah. I mean, 9-11. 9-11. We've yeah. seen. And, and I mean, would people, I think a lot of us would look at that and go, that was pretty narcissistic. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. In a... In a <laughs> It's a, it's a really interesting book. I, I think you'd like it. I brought it yeah. up to you before. It's called Dominion, mm-hmm. and it's written by a historian named Tom Holland, not the actor. But uh, he talks about the history of the church, and yeah. he points out that there was this, uh, that what we refer to as, like, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it basically a, set, a, a form of asceticism in which people would whip and abuse themselves in their religiosity. And he pointed out that a lot of these people, while they were whipping themselves in their journals, would write about a secret pleasure that yeah, they would derive right. from hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we get our term masochist mm-hmm. uh, from that, that mentality that even in, in abusing myself, I could be getting a secret joy out of it. And mm-hmm. uh, we also call this the martyr complex, right? Someone who gets secret joy out of putting themselves through torture mm. and not asking for help because it affirms to them their worth, their value, and the quality of their love. So yeah, you can you can give your body to be burned and be selfish all the way. Wow. wow. Let's remember we have the Holy Spirit, right, to guide us in these things. It can be overwhelming to, to think of something like this. How do we, you know, how do we live out the Bible? But God longs to lead us. He's yeah. gonna shepherd us, you know, we have a 
the Holy Spirit, of, you know, God Himself in us as a resource, and so we're not on our own trying to figure this out. God will lead us. I mean, that's the, and, and we can't do it. Can by I ourselves. read something from Blaise Pascal? No, oh. dude. What? <laughs> All right, just one on. time. It's about this whole idea. Just this though, once. Of, of, it's it, <laughs> it's about right. this whole idea. Fine. All men seek to be happy. That is without exception. And he says, whatever different means they may employ, they aim at the same goal. Mm. What makes some go to war and others not is the same desire mm. which is in both groups, yeah. accompanied by different ideas about what constitutes happiness, mm. right? Yeah. And it says, they will never take the slightest step except toward that goal. It is the motive of all actions of all humans including those who hang themselves mm. giving your body to be burned yeah yeah you know giving your life for something taking your life that there's a, that are we're so fallen that there's this there's a move towards our own we're thinking too much of ourselves right. our own supposed happiness right. uh the supposed good in yeah. what i'm doing yeah really i mean deep stuff to think about Woo. yeah I, I like what you said dave um, That's a first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't usually happen. I, I retract that. I don't. Know. <laughs> I make my make. You make must have misheard me. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, there's this this arrogance that happens in intellectual circles where people can start to believe because I have all this knowledge, I must be such a good person, mm. uh, such a rational person. And various people throughout. My, my favorite is Edmund Burke. Uh, in one of his books, he talks about how the most humble person working diligently at their job can aggregate more knowledge than someone leaving university. So a good example would be like, who would know more, you know, when I was in the Marines, who would know more about warfare and strategies within war? The officer who spent four years at West Point and did all this training and studying, or the simple grunt who's been to war? And the answer is the simple grunt who's been to war, the guy with the low IQ who's just done it, right? That guy actually knows more about strategy and about practical uh, serving within the military than any guy leaving the most elite university ever. Mm. This is one of the reasons why our country's kind of fallen apart is because we've given all authority to the elites who have done nothing practical in their life except for study abstract concepts in universities, right? And they don't know anything, right? They're just like <laughs> these really smart, dumb people. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to someone just the, the other week. I, I counseled this guy who works for the railroad company, just this average guy who works for the railroad he knows more about the supply chain issues than pete Buttigieg, guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed and pete Buttigieg is much smarter than that guy yeah and the reason why is because he just has no practical information he's never mm. worked in these transportation units he's just studied them in an abstract way so i, I like what you say that that some people could listen to this and be like whoa like you're talking over my head how do i even do this if you seek to just as rahab did how much did she know about the god of israel Right. How much had she studied in theology? How much had she like gone through like <laughs> right. philosophy? And she was a harlot, which means that she was more than likely from the lowest of the low class within that society. All she knew was just, there's a God. He's with them. He ain't with us. I'm going to do something to honor him. Right. And she just did something. And James honors her. I'm sure there was a lot of elites and philosophical thinkers in Jericho who would have called her a fool for what she did. And yet she's honored by God in the Bible for just this simple act of faith. So, you know, whatever level of knowledge you have, just act that out and God will be really faithful to you. And you're, if you do this faithfully, if you continue to live, orient your life towards God, 
and just live out what you know to be right, apply yourself to that, you will know more about righteousness and godliness than the dude who's leaving seminary, right? Mm-hmm. If you do that faithfully, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Glad you glad you shared that. It's like learning to drive. I remember I had driving lessons, but then you really learn how to drive when you yeah. get out there and actually do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get on the roads and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have time for one, a one-minute question? Can Let's you do, do it? it? All right. Let's question from Pablo. Do words have power in them or are they just words? Do our words matter? We literally have a minute, so good luck with that, boys. You're a little more short-winded than me. You go for it. I know, these days it's like, (laughs) just speak it into the universe Um, and things will happen. I I just, well, I don't know if that's what he means, but I think there is power in our words. I want to say there's a passage that Jesus talks about um, that has something to do with um, kind of our speech. And, um, you know, and our speech does say a lot about things. in James... Is it something yeah. James about? Oh yeah, our tongue. Yeah. yeah, James talks about our, our speech being powerful and that it's set on fire by hell. It's right. it's so powerful. <laughs> we can praise God and we yeah. can curse human beings. So our words have power in the sense that they mean things yeah. and they do impact people. Do they have? Is there a supernatural right. kind like a of power to the, yeah. change? Like a sorcerer, yeah. yeah, yeah, like a sorcerer. I would say. No, um, I don't see that in the Bible, especially like something condoned uh, in the New Testament about just say this thing and it'll come to pass, right. you know, kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, Pascal mentioned something of what is greater, the creation or the rational mind that can understand creation. So think about this. What's more powerful, me being able to tra- change the created order with a word or being able to change your rational mind with an argument? So there is great, as you said, there's great power in words that we need to be worried about. Very good. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back same time, same place. Thank you for being part of Reason for Hope. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.